Hi guys, happy Thursday. You know what it is. It's Pop Culture Mondays on Thursdays and I am your host, Brooke Hammerling. Pop Culture It is episode 49, which is the age I'm going to be at the end of the month. So whatever. I'm not really caring one way or the other, to be honest with you. But here we are. And like I said last week, it's still little old me. I promise you we will kick off some great guests starting in May. It's just with my schedule being so crazy and me living now, I'm back in my house during a renovation. It's like camping with my dog. Um, I have a bedroom and a kitchen and a bathroom that are functioning in a little office, but with very little furniture. So it's like living when I was in, in college in a dorm room. I have like my shoes lined up against the wall. It's really fun. And I'm eating a lot of turkey and cheese sandwiches. It's really great. Actually, I really don't mind it, to be honest. I loved being in my friends' homes. I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful to you guys who gave me your homes and let me stay. But there's nothing like being at home. Though I did tweet about this, you guys. And for those of you listening, if you are men and you've never understood that there are discrepancies in one's life, being a man or a woman. Let me just relay a thing that I'm dealing with. So I'm single. I own a home. I'm doing a renovation. I have a design team. They are women. I am a woman. I do not have a husband. Um, the only male in my life in on a daily basis is my dog potato. So the only, the real male energy in this house is my dog potato, who does get quite a bit of respect from everybody who enters the house. But in dealing with some of the people who work at the house, who are men, the workers are men. Some of them are amazing, incredible. They have been incredible incredibly helpful and supportive. And I'm so grateful to them. Then there are others who have been contracted by my team, whatnot, I guess they're contractors. They come in and they're like window installers or whatnot. These are, these are a special group of people. They're like, can we speak to your husband? Can we speak to the homeowner, your husband, things like that, threatening, I was called the C word by one of them. That was particularly fun. It's been an ordeal. And uh, I have to say, I have experienced it with the lens of being a single woman that I'd never really thought about before. I've never really experienced that direct, I guess, sexist behavior. I, I mean, it's been so crazy how direct it's been. Just like not even trying to make it fake it or make it. They're just like, where's your husband? Where's the man of the house? Where's the homeowner? I'd like to speak to that person. Who's writing my checks? That guy. Anyway, it's been fun. I've tried to eviscerate them, but as we all have those feelings, right? Like I always say the smartest thing, like 20 minutes later, like after the guy is stormed off, like in my brain, I have the most incredible comeback. Like I am going to annihilate that motherfucker. I am going to eviscerate him. I am going to make him cry. And I do, but only in my fantasy, 20 minutes after he's left and I've been able to sort of, you know, gather my thoughts and then I come up with a real doozy. I just wish I could be faster on my feet. Maybe I should take like, I wish there was improv classes, but specifically for how to just 
like be an asshole back. Like instead of just giving it like shaking my hand or whatever, just, just eviscerating with words. That's what I want to be able to do. But the point is I'm still living sort of like a nomad and trying to figure out poor David, my schedule. I'm like, let's record it now. I have no, there's no set schedule right now. So it's chaos and that's not really conducive for a guest. So you just listen to me babbling, but people seem to like it. Uh, so I am grateful to you, but wow, pop culture and politics and all of the other stuff. Like we have pop culture in politics. We have pop culture in, you know, reality TV coming to like really impact. I think Stephanie rule put on Instagram, Stephanie rule of MSNBC put on Instagram. She's like, I I don't care who this Tom Sandoval is. Please stop putting him in my life on the daily. I don't want to know every fucking move this guy is making. I don't even know who this guy is. We'll get to some Tom Sandoval, unfortunately. And for those of you who read the newsletter, you know, there I was yet another week, another week, another Monday, I'm writing it and there's another mass shooting. So I want to start there because this mass shooting was in Louisville in Kentucky at the bank. And, you know, as I have been criticized in the past on Twitter by conservative MAGA type men who tell me I'm wrong and perpetuating misinformation when I say that many mass shooters are young white men. I don't know what facts those guys are looking at, but I'm looking at the actual facts. And yes, a Monday shooter was a young white man um, who seemingly had zero indications of any sort of behavior. I mean, in other cases, we've seen them be loners. We've seen them be outcasts. We've seen them have a history of bad behavior, history of mental health issues. This guy seemingly came from a star sports background, had a lot of friends, was successful until he wasn't, um, which has led to this shooting, uh, came from, from all accounts, a loving family, had great roommates, friends, like it's left the community, I think, really, really shocked. I mean, it would anyway, but just that it was this kid who was apparently triggered by being fired from this bank and came in on Monday morning with a legally, which we just were learned um, this week, uh, later in the week, a legally acquired AR-15 weapon of choice for mass shooters. And within a minute had killed, you know, I think five people now it is at least. And the governor of Kentucky gave a press conference. Uh, He lost two friends, two, just happened to have two friends in there. And you would think when you lose friends, and also the mayor has lost a friend, but the mayor and the governor have very different perspectives. Things might change by the end of this week. Who's to say? But the governor first gave a speech and you would think that like when you lose friends that this is going to, I mean, I don't care what gets you to change. If it's your own personal impact, that will make you change your philosophy on guns. But it's seemingly not changing the governor. Like I've lost my friends, but you know, this is not, this is a mental health issue. This is a, this is not a person buying guns issue. So on the flip side, on Tuesday, you had the mayor of Louisville, who is a Democrat. I believe the governor is not. Um, The mayor of Louisville gave an incredible 
um, speech first got up. And, and, you know, these are really tough things because you don't want to politicize people in the moments of loss. But um, sometimes there is no other choice. And the, the mayor gave a an update on the sort of, you know, how things unveiled on Monday and gave great gratitude to the officers on the scene, the 911 folks, the doctors and nurses and emergency care providers and everyone. And then he said, look, this is a community. This isn't a place of six degrees of separation. We're one degree. We are, we are a community. We all know each other. This is the smallest, you know, big town ever. And enough is enough. We can't do this anymore. Gun laws have to change. We have to change. And in another moment, which again, I can't say has never happened before. I don't know all of it, but I've never seen anything like this, but the lead surgeon, I believe for the university hospital who took in the gun victims, gunshot victims and um, treated those who not only died, but those who are still uh, fighting for their lives. And he gave an update and then he used the podium to give his take. Caring for three shooting victims and plus the other that came in is not an unfrequent day for us. To be honest with you, we barely had to adjust our operating room schedule to be able to do this. That's how frequent we are having to deal with gun violence in our community. I'll tell you personally, I'm weary. I've been in Louisville for 15 years, all of it at University Hospital. For 15 years, I've cared for victims of violence and gunshot wounds. And people say I'm tired, but I'll be answered. It's more than tired. I'm weary. There's only so many times you can walk into a room and tell someone they're not coming home tomorrow. And it just breaks your heart. It just becomes too hard day in and day out to be able to do that. Sooner or later, it catches up to everybody. You just can't keep doing what we're doing because you just can't keep seeing these lives lost. You can't keep seeing all the people with these horrific injuries coming through the door without doing something to try and help them. I'm a doctor. I don't know what the answers are. But to everyone who helps make policy, both at state, city, federal, I would simply ask you to do something because doing nothing, which is what we've been doing, is not working because this is just getting out of hand across our city and across this great nation of ours. It's incredible. The little hairs on the back of my neck and really all over my body stood up. So and it's making a lot of waves through the social media. And every time something like this happens, I get that glimmer of hope. And I know sometimes I'm like super cynical, but there's that moment of hope, like maybe now, maybe this will trigger, no pun intended, something in some of these people who are like, we have the right to bear arms and we have the right to have these crazy weapons. So here we are again. I mean, how many podcasts do we have to be talking about this? But it's really amazing to see these these people stand up and use their platforms in in a way that I don't think they anticipated. Certainly not the doctor at any rate. So bravo to the doctor and the mayor of Louisville. And um, the, the story's going out now. So I've seen a lot of TikToks about the shooter who it's reported had many, many, many concussions due in his um, high school, maybe college sports career. I believe he played baseball, maybe basketball. I'm talking out of my ass, but they are suggesting perhaps these concussions uh, led to some sort of brain 
malfunction. But we don't know anything. It's early days. These lives have been terribly taken. And every week, we're just going to be talking about more lives lost due to unnecessary violence because we can easily get guns because they're just so easy. I can go get one and be back here in before sunset. So there you go. We also talked about in the newsletter, the Tennessee three. And I, I have to say, I've never been so like envious of the people that were in the Capitol in Tennessee to witness the speeches that the two Justins gave. And I mean, they were both incredible. So the two Justins are Representative Jones and Representative Pearson, and they were expelled, uh, which I I mean, can you imagine just so apparently so they're two black men. They are two young black men. And then there is a woman who is a white woman who was not expelled despite her doing exactly what the guys did, which was they participated in the protests, the peaceful protests, the loud protests, but that the kids, the youth did at the Capitol to after the last mass shooting two weeks ago. And these three participated and the governing officials, lawmakers decided, oh no, this cannot be. And rather than doing something that their constituents are begging for, which is talk about guns. Let's figure this out. They instead were like, you know what? No, we're going to expel these guys. And apparently, and I'm sure this is not a shock as most of the Tennessee lawmakers are good old boys, good old boys, need I say more, but apparently there has been a lot of conflict with Mr. Jones and Mr. Pearson. Um, These are two young black men who are very, connected to the youth. They are very connected to a new way of thinking or to a, just a modern way of thinking to the right way of thinking compared to uh, these very stuck in their ways, old school, good old boys who probably had family members from different generations that were maybe in hoods. Can I say that? I'm going to say that. So I'm just saying they're now in the state capital together and you can imagine there was a lot of conflict. So if you could just expel people, like, could you imagine just like, I mean, why have we not under when the Democrats have power, just expel Marjorie Taylor Greene or Georgie Santos or any of these people, I guess he was not elected until Kevin McCarthy was made speaker of the house. But anyway, you know what I'm saying? It's just not the way it's done. I mean, if they do crazy things and yes, they, they ultimately can be, but these are elected officials and there needs to be a due process. And, um, they really went crazy and they expelled Mr. Jones and Mr. Pearson, both who gave incredible speeches. I believe it was Mr. Pearson, the Justin Pearson who gave the well speech, but I may be wrong. Um, either one, both of their speeches were incredible. I can't even explain. So you'll listen to them both, but Mr. Jones has been reinstated and there was absolute joy in the Capitol, not by his colleagues, of course, but by the galley, the public who came to see it and to hear him speak. And, you know, this, I am sure all of the old white men were sitting there sucking on lemons. Mr. Speaker, I want to welcome the people back to the people's house. I want to welcome democracy back to the people's house. 
that on last Thursday, members of this body tried to crucify democracy, but today we stand as a witness of a resurrection of a movement of a multiracial democracy that no unjust decision will stand. I'm hopeful for the days ahead for, uh, for Tennessee, not because of the actions of this body, but because of the actions of the people out there and the thousands gathered outside this chamber right now who are calling for something better, who, who responded to your attacks on democracy with an attack of a mass movement for social justice and racial justice and economic justice to restore the heart of our state. And so I want to thank you all, not for what you did, but for awakening the people of this state particularly the young people. Thank you for re reminding us that the struggle for justice is fought in one in every generation. And so the people of Tennessee, I stand with you. We will continue to be your voice here and no expulsion, no attempt to silence us will stop us, but it'll only galvanize and strengthen our movement. And we continue to show up in the people's house. Power to the people. I don't know what this means about Mr. Pearson. I'm trying to read up on, on Representative Pearson and whether he will also be reinstated. But what they did was, and I think it's so interesting, and I talk about it in the newsletter, is that it's just so short-sighted. And it's just, of course, like the dumbest thing they could do if they wanted these guys to be without power. The, they put these two men on a national stage, on a global stage. I mean, no offense to Justin Jones and Justin Pearson, but we really aren't familiar with state legislature, state legislators across the country, right? Like every once in a while, local ones pop up, but very, very unusual. Usually it's, it's reserved for the ones that get to uh, a national level, but even then there's only a few that rise up. So this put a national, if not global spotlight on these two. You had Vice President Kamala Harris, I mean, if we could see that Kamala with more frequency, I would be very grateful because she had the passion. She had the vigor. She eviscerated, eviscerated these old white men. Sorry, I'm sure there are some people of color in there or women, but for the most part, she eviscerated them and she brought so much attention as did social media, as did TikTok, as did Twitter onto these guys. These guys are raising, I mean, there was a daily episode from the New York times, a podcast specifically on them. And that's where I learned that they've raised a ton of money, continuing to raise a ton of money. They will have an incredible campaign. And now they have a, you know, a, a strong political future ahead of them that is going to go well beyond the, the state of Tennessee. So I am all for, all for the Tennessee three. We also, I, I, you don't want to just go through a laundry list of things in the newsletter, but Dylan Mulvaney, and we've, we've spoken about her so many times. She is the trans influencer. She has documented her transition and it's been one year this week, I think, or last week of her deciding to transition publicly to being a woman. She has definitely become very, very well known. There is something doll-like about her. And look, I'm not... Uh, Nothing is perfect. I, I think there, there's some of the criticism is correct in the sense that her version of being a girl is sort of a Barbie-like version of being a girl. The sort of the, the, oh, I don't know about basketball. People tell me there's sports and the, it's the March Madness. And it's very much playing up to these horrible stereotypes of the young girl, the fetishist of the girl thing. I, uh, 
So it's frustrating to me, but I also, I'm a big believer of people finding their truths and people being able to identify with what they feel is who they are. And I have nothing but respect for somebody who chooses to do that in a public forum. Um, because especially in this day and age, we know how easily it is to be criticized publicly and, and, and to be taken down. I don't think she or Anheuser-Busch had any insight into what this Bud Light promotion was going to create or kick off. And that is that she became, I don't, again, I don't know if she's this like brand ambassador or if this was like a long-term program or if this was a one-off and they sent her this by no means is Bud Light pushing out cans with her face on it. It was a gift to her. I mean, I remember getting a gift from Coca-Cola with, with my name on it, a can and potatoes name on a can. So they do these things, but the backlash has been crazy. Now my criticism of it again, is that it was her being like a, that sort of dumb girl sort of thing. Like, Ooh, I don't know about sports, but I, I like this beer. Let me bring you beer. I don't want anybody perpetuating that sort of stereotype, but needless to say, certainly would never prevent me to stop drinking Bud Light. I certainly wanted to go buy Bud Light as a result of, of the backlash that Dylan is receiving and that Bud Light is receiving and specifically by the probably the same people who tried to expel the Justins or have expelled the Justins from, from the Tennessee legislature because they are Kid Rock fans and Kid Rock got so crazy worked up about it. He took his AR-15 and started shooting up cans of Bud Light. There has been this mass uh, sort of destruction of Bud Lights. Like there's this like arena filled with Bud Light and they're like rolling over them in the big trucks, which is funny because they assumingly had to buy the Bud Light to do it. So like, okay, guys, where, where are those brain cells? Howard Stern, like really confused. I love this clip. I mean, Howard just is like, what the fuck, Kid Rock? Like, why, what is going on? Why are you getting so worked up over this? Like, there's so many other things to get worked up. Why are you creating this whole, this whole hurrah, which will pass over? Kid Rock and Travis Tritt lost their shit over this beer can thing. And I saw a video of Kid Rock took out like one of these assault rifles, or I don't know what it is, an AR, whatever. And he blew up the cans of beer. He was very upset and he didn't want to drink Bud Light. He doesn't want, he said, fuck you, Budweiser. Fuck Bud Light and fuck Anheuser-Busch is what he said. I, I thought, well, there must be a piece of this story that I'm missing. And I don't know why I'm not bothered by gay people or transsexual people. I don't really, I don't, they don't impact my life. They don't hurt my life. I love when people are in love. You want to be a woman, be a woman. You want to be a dude, be a dude. As long as you ain't hurting anybody. I'm on your team. I mean, I wish I could call Kid Rock and have him come on the show and just tell me, what is it you, why are you so upset about this? Like, how is it hurtful? I'm really dumbfounded by why someone would care so much that they would blow up a can of Bud Light, say, fuck Anheuser-Busch. I don't get it. So, you know, this is, this is just the world we're in. And it's just, it, you know, whether it's, tr it's the trans moment is one that hits a lot of people differently. But what I think is just so nuts is when you have Caitlyn Jenner, who used to be Bruce Jenner, who decided to f come out publicly with their truth. Awesome. Great. You want to stay a conservative Republican? 
love that for you. Be whatever you are, Caitlin. I'm not here to judge, but you are so here to judge others. And that's what I don't understand. We bought into Caitlin doing her Vanity Fair cover and her wearing a dress and the, the putting the, the hair on and all of that stuff. And she asked us for our time and she asked us for our understanding. And yet here she is freaking out at another brand at Nike for doing a brand partnership with Dylan in where she was uh, advertising sports bras and leggings. Now, could you criticize Nike for, for highlighting the fact that this girl, regardless, is very, very, very skinny? And if she was a born female, I think there would be eating disorder discussions, just talking about it. At least that's what's coming up a lot on socials. But she, Dylan has been hired to advertise Nike sports bras. And I get it. People are up in arms. I mean, I'm understanding more of it when Dylan's talking about Tampax because I that's where I go a little. I'm not sure where where we're going here. But you have Caitlyn Jenner, who has done an ad campaign for like H&M women's clothing. Is it is it jealousy? Is it like what is it like when the people who have asked not to be judged are judging others for the very same thing they have done? I'm like, guys, we are spinning out of control. We are spinning. This has gone too, too far. And she tried to turn it around, Caitlin, that is, to say that she was criticizing Nike for their hypocrisy because Nike has treated women poorly in the past, like a pregnant athlete who they've they fired upon her announcing her pregnancy or something. Now that that's fair. I understand Nike's made a great many missteps over the years in terms of what they've done as have many, many brands, but Caitlin didn't start there. Caitlin was like, had to clarify that once the socials started to erupt on her. But you know, this is where it's like, maybe all these people had these thoughts and voices and they could talk to their like eight friends at the like local grocery store or whatever. But this is where I get really pissed about social media. And this is where I get pissed about the very industry for which I have grown up in. And that's tech. And I, I know that people created these things with the idea of positivity. Like I actually think Mark Zuckerberg started Facebook with positive intentions, whether it was to meet girls, it was with innocence, if you will, getting, bringing people together. The guys who started Twitter, um, at least I can speak for Ev. I, I can't speak for that biz stone. I don't know if he was coherent when he created Twitter with the other guys, but the intention was to connect people in a cool, easy, fun way. I remember when we were with GroupMe, starting that whole GroupMe journey, and that was the first group messaging app. These guys did it because it's like, my friends just want to connect when we're at a concert, we're at Coachella, and nobody can text each other as a group. I'm like, how do we do that? Believe it or not, we couldn't do that 12 years ago. So these are this was done with great intentions, bringing people together. We look at the good in, in folks, and yet it has sparked something horrible. And I don't know if it's the anonymity aspect. You know, I don't know if it's the way the technology is built. What I do love about TikTok is even though I think TikTok, I wish you couldn't be anonymous. I would love to see all of these platforms require your own identity. 
But with TikTok, all the hateful comments get pushed down. They get pushed down. Like you, the creator, don't even need to do it. Like the app itself has done that. They are able to identify. And I think that's so incredible. It's not perfect by any means, but you know, you see all of this, this hate and vitriol, and then it spirals everybody out of control. And then we have these, these crazy national boycotts on Bud Light because they chose a trans influencer to work with for a project. Like my Lord, the world has so many other things. Like let's put your attention on guns. Oh wait, no, you guys love AR-15s. You hate Bud Light and your freedom where you don't have to buy it. Like, guess what? You don't have to buy it. You don't have to destroy it, but you get the choice to buy another beer is more important to you to destroy Bud Light than it is to talk about how maybe we can make schools safer for kids and going to work safer for our friends and family. Okay. I am rambling, but that's it. I want to just be done with the rants. I want to turn something positive. I did also talk about this newsletter, but I did see the movie air. I loved it with my entire heart and soul. It was one of those movies, like, you know what happens. I mean, it's about the creation of the air Jordan. Michael Jordan does not star in this movie. He does not, there's no Mike. I mean, he's in it, like the person playing Michael Jordan, but he is not, I don't even think he says one word. You never see his face. It's so incredible the way they did it. I was on the edge of my seat. I don't know if that movie will make money just because I cannot imagine how much money they spent on music alone. I mean, that music supervisor, just like if they were given like a hundred million dollars to go buy music, because the music was the best. It's like the best 80s soundtrack ever. And for 80s babies, you will just be in heaven and they get every detail right. I mean, so I mean, I don't know if the details of the story are right. And I've read. I've read some things that it's a lot of creative license, but in terms of the details of that moment in time from fashion to music to, to just the trinkets in the movie, it was so good. It was so good. As was, as everyone has listened to this has probably seen or at least read about the third episode of Succession. I don't want to get into all the spoilers. So if you, if you haven't listened or watched it and plan on it and you've avoided it thus far, just skip ahead, skip ahead. I give you creative control, go away, move on. But I do want to talk about it because interestingly, I dedicated this week's newsletter to my mom and my mom died April 10th, 1997. And, um, she's missed a lot. She's not just missed a lot in my life. She just missed a lot like that 97 to 2022, the amount of speed for change. Like she missed smartphones. She missed the internet. Basically she missed electric cars. She missed so many things, but dealing with loss. And when you have a parent that, and I've, I've lost a parent to illness and I lost a parent to sudden loss and they are very different experiences. Illness, you almost, you're relieved when someone passes because their pain ends and it's been such a long battle generally and you just want them to not suffer anymore. Sudden loss, there's a whole like, you know, decades and decades of trauma that you're still probably processing because you just can't get your head wrapped around it. They were there and then they weren't and you had so many conflicts. And when somebody is sick, you sort of 
you sort of make amends or you have those conversations. You find yourself doing those things and closure and letting go and all of that. In the sudden loss, you are, you literally don't, it completely messes up your equilibrium. And I can't explain how perfect the way they were able to navigate that in succession it was so perfect. Like as somebody who's experienced sudden loss and you're just like, wait, what? Like you, your whole world is shook. You don't, you can't find the words. You say inappropriate things. You, you don't believe it. You laugh, you, you just lose it. And they did it in such an incredible way. The filming of it was so incredible. There's some funny moments after the show ends where they have the interview of the cast after where they're talking about it. But apparently they filmed, it was like a 28 page scene, which is very long. Apparently most scenes are three or four minutes. And then they can go on and say that because they shoot it on film, film can only be shot in 10 minute increments. And so that means they had to like reset the film while the scene was still going on. And the cameraman configured this whole thing and they had the cameras so close up to people's faces. You felt like you were in it. You felt like you were there with them. It was very intrusive. It was, I, I assume people close to the making of that have dealt with that very exact feeling because I don't know how any other way you could translate that to that scale if you hadn't, because it was just, it was, I was so shaken. I have to say I kept bargaining. Like you do when this happens in real life, when someone dies, you're bargaining like, no, 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 no. This is, you have the wrong person. This is wrong. I kept saying in my mind, this is a long, totally dark shit that Logan's playing. He wants to see how his kids are going to react to his death and what they'll do and what behaviors they'll have. So he has that information. I was like completely convinced it was a long con that like at the end of it, he was like, ha ha, I knew my kids were going to try to like make a grab for my business or they were going to try to fuck around with the Swede. Like this is completely how my brain was working. I was negotiating about like, you know, trying to bargain with the powers that be that Logan wasn't really gone. So it was, it was wild, but I will say that I did (laughs) the, my funniest thing that's come out uh, since the show was that, uh, that after bit. And so if you are at all a junkie of succession, you're familiar with the fact of Jeremy Strong. There was that really in-depth article about him that people were up in arms about his method acting. People were up in arms about the criticism of his method acting, but he's very method. The cast is conflicted. I think some of them, Logan has been outspoken where he can't stand Jeremy Strong, apparently, or at least has said it, whether he's joking or not. But he is a very intense actor. And I had never really understood it until watching the interview that took place after this this episode. And everybody's sort of giving their thoughts about the scene and the filming. And like nobody knew that Logan was going to die until they read that. They found out. And Jeremy Strong is talking, he's speaking way more intensely than Kendall Roy speaks, like just so intently. And he's staring, like piercing through the camera. And then he was talking about how he was like, well, you know, I understand Logan's death dramaturgically. And I was like, 
wait, what did he say? And I remember catching it. I'm like, dramaturgically, what? But it was so late. I was so tired. I was so run down from that episode. I didn't think about it. And I had to wake up early and write the newsletter. And then in the days preceding, I have seen so many social posts about it, TikToks, whatever, dramaturgically, dramaturgically, like people are dying over it. I thought it made sense dramaturgically. It's so funny. And I did send it to, um, a former PCM guest, but Jake Curtis, who is the son of Emma Freud and Richard Curtis and is in film school. And I suspect is going to be one hell of a writer director. Uh, I said, if you ever use this word, I'll never talk to you again. And he was like, I'm going to use this word in everything I do moving forward. It's a real word. It's not a word people use except for Jeremy Strong because he's very dramaturgic, I guess. But it's a fun, it's a funny one, I have to say, dramaturgically. Something that's not funny is the Dalai Lama. I don't know if y'all have seen. I have not put it in the newsletter. I don't know if I can. I don't want anybody to like look at my newsletter and see this video. But the Dalai Lama has gotten quite a bit of heat for a video that came out with him tonguing a boy, a little boy, who is apparently the reincarnated llama of another llama, that he's sitting there having this very, and I think playful, and I I don't know if the Dalai Lama, if he's just so naive and childlike himself, but again, we said that about Michael Jackson. But the Dalai Lama is like forehead to forehead with this little boy, and he tells him to lick his tongue, and he sticks his tongue out, and these little boy and him are like tonguing each other. It's really a horrible thing. And um, people are, for the most part, outs- outspokenly outraged. Um, in some cases, people are defending. Like, could you just imagine if that was a priest? Like, could you imagine if the Pope did that to a kid, the outcry? Like, it would be, it would be the end of the Catholic Church. Like, the end, done. Not that, you know, priests molesting kids has is a new thing, but just like out in the open, there's the Pope with the tongue of a little boy. Like that would be pretty monumental. And the Dalai Lama has apologized and who's to say what's going to happen. I'm sure everybody will forget about it in the days to come. But yeah, I definitely, it's a no for me. It's a definite, it's a, it's a no. And then other people have been talking about in the pop culture world, Ariana Grande, the pop singer. Uh, It's been a minute since she's been sort of out there. I don't know. Maybe it's been a minute for me. I've just been so focused on like Harry Styles and Miley and Taylor and all of that fun stuff. But Ariana was spotted in video and paparazzi photos maybe last week. And she's, she was already a very teeny tiny girl, but she was noticeably slimmer. Lots of concern was put out there. Lots of curiosity about Ozempic as everybody goes to right now. Lots of talking heads on social and on TikTok and people tearing apart her body stuff. And she came out with a a TikTok of her own talking about it. And it's got quite a a huge amount of, of views, millions upon millions. And she's like, everybody is a body and nobody should be talking about people's bodies. Like, it's just like, why are we in that? Like, thank you for your concern, but like, this should not be, my body should not be open for discussion amongst all of you. And it's, it's painful. I think it's a, you know, gotta be very challenging to be a young woman and have to be in the spotlight at that level. 
But, you know, if it's a smart tactic to deflect and get people away from talking about it, maybe, maybe it's going to cause more attention. Lots of people are commenting like, you're right. I'm sorry. I shouldn't have done that. I'll be better. But a TikTok from Ariana Grande, who's noticeably different looking, telling people to stop talking about women's bodies is not going to change. It's never going to change. Like, that's what people do. People fat shame, people skinny shame. We, we're just constantly being critiqued. It's always going to happen. I don't see any, any future where it doesn't, but noble of her to come out. And at least with the message that all bodies are beautiful and all people should be looked at for things beyond their body. And then lastly, I haven't listened. I'll put the link in the notes, but Tom Sandoval, and I'm sorry, Stephanie Rule, he has come out publicly for the first time to speak about his, his affair with his castmate Raquel on his live-in girlfriend of nine years, Ariana. And he's done it on the Howie Mandel podcast of all people. He's done it with Howie. Maybe he thought Howie was going to give him some gravitas. I don't know. I did listen to like five minutes of it. And the five minutes I listened to, I will never get back. But the man is a true narcissist. I mean, he's might be a psychopath. I don't, I don't quite understand. But maybe this is just like a lot of a lot of this type of man. Um, but apparently it's his girlfriend or now ex-girlfriend's fault. She didn't pay enough attention to him. And he was obsessed with Raquel and spending all of his time with her. And if his girlfriend really loved him, she would have noticed. And they live very separate lives and she, he wasn't being nurtured. He wasn't being attended to. She was completely oblivious. And he's like, I was doing it right in front of her. And that should show you that she just didn't care about me because she didn't notice. Like, so uh, there you go. Never a good strategy in my mind. Um, that's inside voice. If that's what you think, it's an inside voice, but he's being eviscerated again, another one being eviscerated and I'm happy to see it. I really just, I just want these people to go away. I mean, I'm so done. I I've been saying this for a while. They just announced that Kim Kardashian's and one of the stars in the new American horror series and other people are freaking out about that. I just, I mean, we've had windows. These windows are going on for too long. We need some fresh, fresh new people in there. But the uh, Vanderpump Rules stuff, I just, I'm so sick of it. I want them to go away. I don't want to go to their bars. I don't want to go to their restaurants. I don't want them to serve me. Um, and I don't want to have to know about their sex lives. So thank you so much. Thank you. I hope you guys can deliver that promise to me. So with that, um, my Mary makeout mute. I would marry the Tennessee three. I'm so impressed with all three of them for standing together, for having each other's backs, for being courageous, for going against the grain, for speaking their truths and speaking for their constituents. So I applaud them with all of my might. I would make out with nobody I talked about on this podcast. I would make out with Pedro Pascal because his Instagrams have been on fire and there's so many fun posts about him. There's one that I posted. I don't know. There's, he's wearing some like eighties jean and his ass is in the air and it's too much for me and I can't take it. I don't even care if I'm not his type. I just would like to make out with him. Just like I would, I would do anything, literally anything for him to like, just put his hands through my hair and like just a little kiss. Just love that Pedro Pascal. There's another one where they have him um, I've seen this. This was sent to me by a hundred people where there's side by side versions of him 
dressed in an outfit compared to a mushroom of the same, like different mushrooms, like a blue and gold mushroom. And there's Pedro Pascal dressed in blue and gold. And they've got like 10 variants of mushrooms that he's literally the same, dressed the same. It's amazing. I mean, keep them coming. I will always make out with Pedro. I will say this to my dying days. And then I would mute Vanderpump Rules, guys. Tom Sandoval in particular, a mute. I don't want to hear you. I don't want to hear you on Howie Mandel or anyone. Just go away. Just go, 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 go. And so with that, I leave you. This is a weird one. I may or may not be here next week. If I am here next week, it is because my passport did not get through to me in time for my trip to Europe. I'm supposed to go to actually to London for business. And if I don't come to you next week. That is because a miracle of miracles and the passport has the expediting, which I paid so much money for actually did come through, but there've been some issues trying to get a passport post COVID is a nightmare. It doesn't matter how much money you throw at it or how many people, you know, it's sort of the luck of the draw. And this is maybe where my luck ran out. So we'll just have to see. It's a 50-50 gamble. David, I know you're on the edge of your seat, whether or not we'll be here next week. Normally when I'm away traveling for a while, I'll bring my microphone and we'll do a podcast. But I just, this was going to be a very quick in and out trip to London for a lot of meetings. I hope I get there, but if not, I will be delighted to see you guys next week. So one way or the other, you'll see me because I'll have, I'll have my newsletter, I'll have my socials. If you follow me on social, you will know whether or not I get to London because I will make it very clear one way or the other. Have a great rest of your week. Happy Thursday and talk to you soon. Pop culture.